Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Uh, welcome back to the Samurai Brothers, episode 19 uh, of our podcast. And I uh, hope you're all having a great uh, 4th of July weekend. And um, appreciate uh, all the uh, all the veterans and people serving in our military and law enforcement who uh, do a job, great job of, uh, you know, putting their lives on the line and uh, making sure that this country is secure and uh, safe. So uh, we salute those who have uh, done that for us and uh, just for, you know, everything that goes on in this country right now, pretty crazy, but that we can have the freedom to uh, say what we say. So, um, with that being said, Matthew, um, it was great seeing you and the family uh, over the weekend and and stuff. So we had some fun times there. And uh, Matthew, we've got an action. We got a really action packed episode today. I mean, yeah, we, we have, have a lot going on. There's a lot to go on. So I'll just um, really quick preview what we've got going on. So uh, you were um, you watched it obviously live. So UFC 276. Uh, we have that going on, um, as uh, people might be able to see from the from the screen. Um, the UFC announced their 2022 uh, Hall of uh, Fame, and uh, so we'll go over who uh, made it in. As you can see, uh, Khabib is uh, one of the inductees, and then um, and then some. When uh, we'll get into some more stuff later, which is. Uh, crazy conference alignment will let you know which schools have jumped ship from their current conference and which conference that they are heading off to so and how that might affect uh you know obviously you know basketball and football is a big thing with these schools but could it affect wrestling in some way so a discussion that uh me and matthew will be having and uh, we'll also look into some uh, wrestling real quick. Uh, some people that we know of uh, that have uh, gone in and gone to the Asian Championships. And uh, lastly, this is the last week before the Sumo Nagoya Basho uh, 2022 is going to start. So we'll do a little bit of coverage about that. So, Matthew, let's get right into it. So, uh, actually, let me go really quick to... UFC 276. So, Matthew, we'll go over the uh, the early prelims. Uh, you said that you had been able to watch it. So just kind of, you know, go do a quick overview, review of uh, what happened. So it looks like uh, these were the three matches. First, I think uh, in order, it would have been Jessica Rose Clark versus Julia Stole your rainbow. That would have been the first fight, correct? Yeah, I believe that's how it's pronounced. Um, that is either the second fastest or no, no, no. Uh, it is the second fastest uh submission in uh UFC women's bantamweight history. The first is still owned by Ronda Rousey. Um, but yeah, so yeah, um. I'm going to mark that down as a potential comeback of the month candidate because uh, when I do the um for MMA freak when I do the uh fighter of the uh the fights of the month mm-hmm. but yeah uh Jessica Rose Clark who is an Aussie 
Uh, she, um, er, early in the fight, as short as it lasted, she nailed uh, Julia, mm-hmm. who, I can't remember if she's German or Lithuanian. I'd like to say Lithuanian, but, um, yeah, she's Lithuanian. Um, yeah, she got nailed. She, like, did one of those, like, uh, drops and then got back up on the cage and then was able to come back and um, get the takedown. And, then, and they, they rolled around and grappled, and she got the uh, the arm bar. So and just so our audiences know, can you, uh, which, which, which is which? So, that, uh, so the one on the left would be uh, which one? That would be uh, Julia Stoliarenko. Is that correct? On the on the left, yes. Correct. On the left of what? I'm not seeing any, any pictures or video. Oh. What are you pointing out? Oh, sorry. Well, it might help if I screen share. Yes, it might help if you screen share. Okay, so Math, can you can you uh, can you see this now? Oh, uh, yeah, Rose Clark. Oh, so she was the she was the underdog. Yes, so Rose Clark, uh, so she would be the one on the right. Yes, so the yes, the tad the yes, the, the tatted one on Is on MMA a... on MMA forums, uh, got a lot of guys like her because of her tattoos. But yeah, she uh yeah, uh Rose Clark is on the the right, the left and she was um the, she was the favorite and she was going up against um Julia Stolyarenko. So, um, I can't remember exactly what background uh, Jessica Rose Clark came from. I'd like to say that she was direct brought in directly into the UFC. Stolyarenko uh, did a stint on one of the Ultimate Fighter um, mm-hmm. series before it went on hiatus. Mm-hmm. So... And so, yes, obviously this this 42-second submission uh, ended up uh, earning the fight uh, performance of the night. Um, one of the three, yeah. One of the three. And, uh, yes, so um, as we were talking earlier, because they only used to do um, – they only used to do two performance of the nights, but it looks like uh, it got – It's it's varied depending on what all happens on the card. Mm-hmm. And then obviously you have a fight of the night. Yeah. And uh, but I guess uh, you know, much you know, to the chagrin a bit of uh, Stoliarenko. I mean, she got some. Uh, now performance of the night. Does that only go to the winner? Yeah, that only goes to the winner. Yeah. So, um, anyway. You mean so much to the chagrin of Clark? Yes. So, anyway. And then up above, uh, Macy Barber, I would still qualify her as an up-and-comer. But so, I would argue that this was her biggest uh, fight today because Jessica I, um, at one point, challenged Valentina Shevchenko for the uh, women's flyweight title. Now, if I remember correctly, isn't Jessica I the one that got her ear exploded? Or was that someone else? You know... She was in that fight. She was the one who exploded the ear. Leslie Smith was the one whose ear exploded. Oh, okay. 
Now I've actually seen I've actually seen Leslie Smith since that fight, and I got to see that ear. It's like did she have to get reconstructive surgery on I, that? It it's like barely it it possibly it barely resembles an ear. So um I uh, so then it's, if it's I, like. It's like it's like it looks like it doesn't just look like a cauliflower because well because it was the reason why I was that puffy was because the cauliflower ear was filled still freshly filled with um with 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 liquid so I hit it just right and it goes yeah. <laughs> literally explodes now did Jessica I not or I think probably the other. Probably the other place I know Jessica I from was was she want did she go challenge Ronda Rousey once? No, she was she she was fighting as a bantamweight at the time, but she never got around she never got around to um uh getting to uh far enough uh up there before um Holly uh knocked out Ronda. Okay. So um, as you're and saying, then Amanda knocked out Ronda, and Ronda's in the WWE now. So, so Macy Barber uh, was the winner of this fight. Um, I should note that my se- both for MMA Freak and for several other publications, uh, a few years ago, she uh, Macy Barber was got the um, uh, the Outbreak Fighter of the Year award because mm-hmm. she just went on a tear. And I, which I think included some of her early UFC fights. She went undefeated, like one, mm-hmm. three, four, uh, three or four fights, mm-hmm. in, in one year. So that's so. Um, but then she got injured, and uh, and she's still young. I think she's in her early twenties. Mm-hmm. Which is so. Then she took out a veteran, I guess, so to speak. Well, yeah, like I said, Jessica, I challenged Valentina Shevchenko for the uh, for the flyweight title. Mm-hmm. That's probably another thing that she's known for is that she got. Um, you know how some fighters when they when they get knocked out that it's like that one of two things happens when a fighter gets knocked out. They either go limp and they just or they they stiffen up and go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they look like a dummy. Jessica, I was oh, the yes. latter. <laughs> Val, that that's because Valentina hit her right on her her kick landed her right um, on like hit. around the temp yeah like right around the temple yeah. area so the side of the head and she just she just fell backwards our arms and legs hit, stiff and she's like you could tell that it's like she was in that like mode of like just just her brains controlling her breathing because she yeah. just that <laughs> like everything stiffened up. So what 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 is up possibly for uh, Macy Barber going? So um, like, does she have one a- or two other contender fights? I'd imagine. Mm-hmm. I mean, if she if she um, she fights one or two more good fights, she could be challenging Valentina. I would imagine probably not by by the end of the year, but probably by like the earliest early next year. I would say first quarter. If she went, if she if she wins two or more good fights, because you know she might. Um, I mean, this is like I said, I, as far as I could tell, she, this is her biggest win yet. But she may not win her next fight. So, but so, like I said, she's still an up and comer. She's in her yep. early twenties, so she's still young. Ways to go. So let's move on then to the next fight. Now, um, I remember Uriah Hall. 
And uh, yes, he's you know. known for the most devastating ultimate fighter knockout. Mm-hmm. Where uh, again, like, something similar. But uh, it looks like um, he was not able to get the win this time, as it was a unanimous decision to Andre Munez. So Matthew, walk us through that one. Um, was it Munez? Had control of the fight? Or yeah, Munez had control. Yeah, Munez had control of the fight. Part of the problem with Uriah Hall is, um, and Dana White said this before, it's like he did very well in the Ultimate Fighter, but then when he went to the finale, he choked. So the argument is that he's got some kind of mental... He's basically a gym... Uh, got, a, got a chip on his shoulder. He's a gym warrior, essentially, where he could do well in the gym just fine, but then when he actually gets out there, he might perform, he might not. There's a there's a uh, there's a saying, um, I think I've I've heard it a few times uh, by some people. You know, when you're in the wrestling room, you do really great in the wrestling room, and you might be beating people that are really good in the wrestling room, but then you go out actually onto the mat and you choke. And and um, uh, they they will reference you as an all American in the room, meaning that hey, you might be going in, and and this has happened a few times with like I've seen it with, uh, you know, if you go to the Santa Ana College wrestling practices and stuff, and there'll be some really good people, they'll be beating like you know, may hey maybe some returning state placers, all Americans and stuff, and they'll be beating them, but then either they go out onto the mat and they don't perform or they just don't go out at all, you know, and, and, you know, you know, the old saying, you, you miss a hundred percent of the, of the shots, shots you that take. you don't take. So yeah, the whole, um, all American in the room thing. So I, you know, this would probably be the equivalent of what you were saying, a, a gym warrior, um, you know, yeah, he could be the best guy in the gym and just not be able to perform. Well, so, um, so, uh, like, so what do we see going forward for both uh, fighters? Like, is uh, Andre on a winning streak? Uh, is he, what, like, where would he be ranked right he's, now? He's an up-and-comer. I think he's on two, three-fight winning streak. So he's he's building himself up. I think it's got to be a while, though, before he faces um, uh, Israel Adesanya, or Izzy, as he's he's uh, he goes by. Um, Hall is back to the drawing board. His what? Hall is back to the drawing board. I think he was coming off. I think he had a win, but you know, back so to the drawing board. Is um, uh, I don't, don't... want to call him a gatekeeper just yet, but he's kind of fallen into that mold. Uh, what, what are they? Um, what are, I I don't remember what gatekeepers. It's the gatekeeper in but... MMA is similar to the journeyman in in boxing. Um, they have winning records. They call it stocks or something, but it like his stock might be dropping. Um, I don't know if that's the correct term for it, but you know that's, how that's when, a pretty accurate term. Yeah, you know when when you've got uh, let's say like when players are thinking about you know from college if they want to enter the draft, and then something happens to the team, and um, I I don't know if this is the correct reference, but like their stock drops, you know, meaning that they're not marketable well it normally doesn't happen to the team it happens more to the individual but 
Yeah, his, yeah, his, true. Like his, his yeah, but yeah, his stock's been going up and down, up and down, up and down. Where it's looked like it's you know, it, there's been times where he, he's there's been times in the UFC where he's looked like he could do really well. But the problem yeah. is he's not consistent mentally. He's got the physical skill perfectly. Mm-hmm. If he was 100% up here, 100% of the time, he'd be champion by now. I, I, I could see, see that. that you see that happen in any sport. You'll, you'll see that happen. Um, wrestling is a very good example of that, like MMA. You know, you got some you got some wrestlers. They're really good. They could be, you know, like high school state champions. They could be national, collegiate national champions. Oh yeah, we've seen our we've seen we've seen our share. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, okay. We so even, we all even saw some promising guys on the D one level and Yeah. All right, so let's go so, into yeah, the was, prelims. That was, then. that was that prelims. So uh, let me see here. We'll start off with the first prelim, which was Brad uh, Tavares versus Driscus Duplessis. I think if I announced that correctly. Um, so anything that really um, stood out to you about this fight at all? Tavares is the definition of a gatekeeper. He was in one of the like mid, like teen old. Teen season ultimate fighter, so he's been around for a while. He's just done enough to stay in the UFC. Um, and uh, how about uh, they could have they could have justified letting him go a while back, but he's uh-huh. he's been able to stay in there. The uh, Duplessis is a new guy, so I, I can um, see that. yeah, um, he's. Not much so yeah, he went in there and got it done, and he was, you know, he's he's uh, his stock is rising. Yeah. So uh, then we'll go on to the second prelim fight, which was Ian Gary versus Gabriel Green. Now I've never seen either of these two, so uh, I mean, what I don't if, know what if I we... saw either of these guys either. This might be the first time that I saw them, but it was definitely a good. Uh, it was not. I wouldn't call it a snoozer. It wasn't the most exciting fight though, but. Um, uh, yeah, Gary was able to go in there and uh, control Green the the three rounds. So, so was this was this more of a takedown riding fight? This was, was more of like a stand up, like uh, sometimes clinching on. Gary, the Gary was able to push push more. Basically. Yeah. Okay. He was able to control more. Able to get some of the better combos in. So here's two guys. This that I... was a fight. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so. Um... I, These I guys don't are remember both too veterans, much. Both veterans, late thirties, been around. Yes, I I do remember the names well, especially Cowboy Cerrone. But I do recall Jim Miller. Um, I you know uh, maybe one or two fights that you know when we would go out together. Um, but I definitely remember Cerrone, Cowboy Cerrone. So um, Cerrone. Yeah, it looks like this was a second round submission so this uh, was a rematch i should note and miller was able to avenge that first loss ah okay so this was so also of note the winner of this fight became the winniest fighter in ufc history really okay yeah, so i know that, makes sense. that matthew yeah uh they i forget how many fights they both have but they just 
both have a lot of fights. These guys are just these guys have just been in the UFC for a long time. They've been in their ups and downs, but they're always able to go in there, win win a few at least a few fights, get get a bunch of um get a bunch of wins, get finishes. I think I forget which one has the the um Miller might hold the the win bonus um record now. Well, gee, I mean, you know, maybe they could have stuck this on the uh, on the main card. They, I I would have argued that they should have put this on the pay per view. I, 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 th- I mean, this, to, uh, you this know. was one of the, but this was one of those fights where unfortunately they were trying to anchor the um the the prelims that are on ESPN with some decent fighters. So that's that's what they that's what they went okay. with. And, so so yes, so he's. Um, I'm looking up his Wikipedia right now. So most most bouts in UFC history, uh, most wins in UFC history now, and most wins obviously in the lightweight division. So he's 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 got cross uh, cross divisional. Does he have cross divisional victories? He does have cross divisional victories. Uh, Cowboys bounced up and down between lightweight and welterweight. Of note, he is, he's, um, I think he might actually be, um, so I can't remember which division it might be both, but he's one of the few fighters in the UFC to never miss weight, regardless of what weight class he was at. He always made weight always. uh, I've noticed Wikipedia doesn't really mark what his, it only has his his total um his total record doesn't really break it down by ufc so i'll have to uh I'll, we'll have to go back to that unless we can somehow no i mean go to, go to the bottom on his wikipedia page go to the bottom and it has his accomplishments not not the not the not that page go to the wikipedia page and go to the the bottom of of the under his record oh, here we go okay yes yeah. so uh, that was his 40th fight in UFC history. So that's, that's quite a few, that's quite a number to have been able to fight 40 times in the UFC. Cause I remember, um, you know, back when you and I would, would go watch and, you know, Hey, if fighters like even went on a two match win streak, they'd be cut by Dana White or something, you know, depending on if they did really you mean two fight losing streak. Yes. I I remember, um, you know, seeing some of that. Um, But, okay, so, yes, most wins in UFC history, which is 24. So, I mean, just the fact that even some of the the champions, uh, you know, like when you talk about, like, long-reigning champions like Anderson Silva, Mighty Mouse, you know, the fact that these guys don't even have that many wins in the UFC, you know, I guess would be a testament, I guess, to just Miller's um longevity obviously um i'm trying to see if he's got so he's never um i don't see it here he's never been a champion in the never been a champion i can't remember if he's actually challenged for the title in the ufc but yeah i never was champion and he does have the most wins in ufc lightweight history which is 21 uh, he also has second most finishes in UFC history, which, ironically, he is tied. That this this submission here, 
uh, tied him with Cowboy Cerrone. Cerrone. It's pronounced Cerrone. Cerrone? Okay. So he tied with Cerrone by finishing off Cerrone. So that well, what was really bittersweet about it? Um, uh, afterwards, um, uh, Cerrone retired. No, so this this was it for him, huh? Yeah, well, it, yeah, because he's got two grown boys, he's got his own gym that he trains guys out of, he's got a ranch that he, you know, um, also does things off of. He's getting into acting now. Um, so he just doesn't really need to keep doing this. And, uh, uh, you know, he, he's taking some shots. So it's like, well, at this point, he doesn't really need to keep doing it anymore. So it, right. it's, yeah. Uh, well, he did something that was very unique. Cause like I said, a lot of, uh, like retiring fighters, they'll take their gloves off and they'll, they'll put it in the octagon. He took his gloves off and put them in his cowboy hat in the octagon. Well, best of, you know, all the it best. Was reminis- it was kind of reminiscent of Undertaker's retirement where he left his jacket and his hat. You, you know what a lot of fans had a gripe with the WWE about when um, Undertaker did his retirement in the ring? And uh, have you seen the clip where he they did it, and then the the ghost quote unquote of um, Paul Bearer comes up right, and the, they had the audience cheering and stuff. Well, that was not a live audience, and um, a lot of people I remember a lot of fans commenting about that how that that really took away from they really should have had a live audience there when Undertaker retired because if they had because when Paul Bearer came up, I think the pop, which is, you know, when the audience really goes off and cheers, like if you go back and watch old Attitude Era um, videos and how you hear the, the glass breaking, you know, because that's when Stone Cold's theme song is about starting. I don't know if you've seen a couple of those clips, but the audience really goes off, you know, when 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 they hear the, the glass breaking. And they really should have, and so that's why a lot of people I've seen comments said that they really should have had a live audience for when when Undertaker did his retirement and Paul Bearer showed up because just imagine the pop that they would have got if the audience had been live. They would have really cheered on, you know, because this was a lot of people's childhoods, you know. So it is what it is. So he's not exactly going you know, it, it's yeah. <laughs> they're, they're they're in this. Like I said, AEW popping up is probably going to be good for the industry because it's actually going to force them to eat to start working at it. They've kind of already have. Yeah, they've. Yeah, you you could say WWE did get complacent because they controlled. You know, they controlled the the scene for a number of years, especially when they bought out. You know, they bought out. They w- had, w- let's w- just say 15 years. They've had like 15 years of unchallenged dominance over the industry. So a lot of people have been saying it's good that AEW is coming in and is kind of challenging them. And of course, like I, I've said in past episodes, it's a good thing that AEW is doing something different. They're not trying to match 
WWE in their own style, which was a problem that WCW did, which worked for a little bit, but then, but then, you know, they, yeah, but, but then of course you, you just, just had a whole lot of problems with how WCW was running. Whereas that's not how AEW is running and AEW is doing stuff a lot smarter. They're running the promotion differently. All right, so let's. Well, I wish Cerrone the best. Uh, obviously, he's had some interesting fights, and uh, I got to see quite a few of them with you. So let's hope he has a good journey going forward. And um, I guess we'll probably continue to see Miller um, breaking and extending some records, right? I mean, yep, he's, probably. he's got fights on his contract still, correct? Yeah, um, he's probably the type of guy who will probably retire when uh, Dana White allows him to. All right. So um, we have another performance of the night, which was uh, Brad Riddle uh, versus Jalen Turner. And this was a pretty fast uh, submission, so 45 seconds. And um, so what happened here, Matthew? Uh, let's see if I recall this one correctly. This was the fight where I'd like to say that was, uh, yeah, that was that submission. That that was a, a quick submission. They went in, um, they went in there, and um, uh, Jalen Turner. I think he, I think he got some hard shots in, and mm-hmm. then um. Yeah, you know, uh, Riddle went down, and he got the hard submission in to the point where, um, and he did it so fast that I think he got Riddle's arm trapped in there, and Riddle had to do this like very, he couldn't even like pull his arm out and try tapping. He had to do this weak, like tap here because his, because you know the way the way a guillotine is is that they have their, um, you know, they have their the the arm and. Um, the head and arm trapped and his arm was trapped in there. So he could only do this like tapping in here. Fortunately, the ref was able to see it. Good ref and was able to, you know, at that point it, it was, yeah, it was, it was a quick, you know, knock him out or knock him down. Uh, quick guillotine submission using the strikes to um, set up the submission. Really? It was on ABC. Huh? So our main card. Uh, so let's uh, let's go right through. So uh, first fight we had on the main card: Pedro Munoz versus Sean O'Malley. So Sean, um, I would no, say no Sean comment. O'Malley was winning the fight up until the accidental eye poke. The 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 fact of the matter is, with these types of gloves, with the open hand gloves, it's, mm-hmm. it's going to happen. So it was ruled a no no contest because of an eye poke. Yeah, it was ruled a no contest. You could tell O'Malley wasn't intentionally trying to, you know, um, gouge his eyes or anything like that. He just, you know, he just, it was one of those things where he was backpedaling. And, you know, unfortunately, when you're backpedaling, your basic instinct is to, you know, put your hands out. He did that. And he accidentally nailed Munoz in the eye. And Munoz couldn't continue. One of the things... Yeah, one of the things that kind of makes me cringe sometimes when I uh, when I watch some of these fights, it's like uh, you know something really interesting. Pride had a very low percentage of eye pokes, and a lot of people said it's because of how their gloves were designed. 
The UFC gloves are designed to where um, you could actually extend your your hands fully out. Mm-hmm. But the Pride gloves were, and a lot of the MM, uh, the Japanese MMA promotions, their gloves were designed to, with a natural curve. Mm-hmm. So, um, so the it wouldn't, it wouldn't really. So the you, argument there is that because they couldn't extend their their their. Um, mm-hmm their fingers out fully which why would you even need to let's face it when you're throwing a punch or whether you're going in for takedown or grappling or anything like that you don't really need your hand fully extended mm-hmm. so because of that there was just a much lower um percentage of eye pokes and um there's actually been a uh a, um mma uh glove manufacturer that approached Dana white and said look we have these gloves these are patented. They're curved inside. They've got very good padding. But um, the problem, the UFC likes to own everything that they use. So they basically said, we'll buy the patent off of you. And uh, the guy was yeah, like... I bet, yeah, I yeah, bet you that like, manufacturer told like, Dana White to go pound sand, right? Yeah, he was like, he was like I'm offering help with these gloves. And you, you're not going to use it because the, you don't own the patent. So we're still getting stuff like this because Dana White, being this, you know, the stubborn, well, yeah, trying to the be, stubborn trying man to be the businessman, but not not really the uh, not really the smartest of business um, acumen's or the business strategies. And you know, sometimes, hey, you know, it's. He's been smart enough to get the UFC as far as it has, but it's one of those. Well, you know, and he'll continue, and he'll continue to take it where it's going to go. You know, this is this is just a blip, you know, for him. And um, I mean, unless something egregious were to happen in the UFC that's scandalous enough to knock him out, which, believe me. The way things have been going, and the way if I he hear survive, things, happening. if he can survive all the fallout that happened with Ariel Ho- with throwing out Ariel Hawani, it's like that. It that there's there's like something that you don't. There's some things you don't do in sports journalism, and that's mess with the journalists. Which Ariel did not, as far as we can tell, he didn't break any rules. But Dana White threw him out and said, "You're you're done." And then all the, because of the backlash, he's like, "They he had a backpedal." So um, you might need a um, since I'm not too familiar with the story. Um, is it okay if uh, if I ask you to kind of explain to our audience? UFC 199, right before the the um, the Zoof, uh right before uh, IME bought out. Um, uh, Zufa, um, and it was uh, UFC 200 um, was coming up that July. Mm-hmm. Um, we no one knew that Brock Lesnar was going to be on that fight card, and I didn't know it because I didn't. I'm not in the habit of checking my checking my Twitter during the fights. Mm-hmm. So um, I actually see the trailer, and I'm genuinely surprised because, like I said, I'm not in the habit of checking my Twitter during the fights. Mm-hmm. So. But um, Ariel Hawani, who at one point was it with ESPN, he's back with MMA fighting now. He's been like the most long-term um, MMA journalist. He's one of the more well-known names. Uh, he finds out about it, reports it, 
And uh, so he, he breaks the story, basically. He breaks the story early. And Dana White, my understanding was it was more because the Fertitas were still in charge. My understanding is the Fertitas were the ones who were pissed. And they um, they might have given the marching orders to Dana White. But the way that Dana White reacted, it sounded like he probably was. Um, if they give him the order, he probably didn't contend with it. So um, they throw out not only um, Ariel, who's doing all the writing and, and reporting. Mm-hmm. They also throw out his camera woman who uh she's a big name in and of its why in the world am i drawing a blank on her name oh you'll remember it um anyways they they throw her they basically they're basically throwing out the whole crew yeah they threw out the whole crew like um he i there was like another guy a third guy in there as well they threw the entire crew they said they basically said you're done so um, that Monday, um, Ariel goes on to his podcast, gives his side of the story. Um, and again, Dana White kind of didn't agree with it because Ariel kind of got um, a little emotional towards the end, which you, you, and, you and I know very well. It's like sometimes some, not all guys are macho machismo, like hold it in, like rah, type guys. Some guys are going to get emotional. And not 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 like weak beta male guys. We're talking just an everyday everyday man. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, the public backlash was just so great in the journalism community because initially they were saying it's a, it was Ariel's ban was gonna be a lifetime ban. But after that, um, he did he didn't break any rules. He didn't. He didn't break any, break any ethics rules. He didn't break any uh, procedural rules. He found out about something and he reported it. And the only thing that he did wrong was anger Dana White, because Dana had this whole thing. And a lot of people didn't really. Um, yeah, a lot of people didn't know. Well, yeah, of course. So he finds something out, and I'm very sure he corroborated the sources and all that. Correct. Yeah. And he so, was right. Yeah. So he was a he he So the only thing that the only thing he did wrong was piss Dana White off. That's kinda, the only thing he did wrong. Of, he, he spoiled Dana White surprising the world. And as a result, he got thrown out. But then yeah, because of the public backlash, they um yeah, they they reversed the the decision. So Ariel still goes to uh, to UFC fights now. I I I bet. Um, does, uh, does, I'm, Dana, I'm, does Dana take any questions from him? What? Does Dana take any questions from him? On occasion. Yeah. Yeah, I and uh, I know you've had your fair share of when you try to be media and. Um, I remember we had that one guy who I won't name, I won't name names, but, um, you know, got you when I was, when I, you know, I've been coaching with SAC wrestling and you were part of the SAC, um, the Don's, uh, newspaper. And then he got you, yeah, yeah, the L Don, and then he got you, um, removed from covering wrestling, covering wrestling because he cited, you know, 
quote unquote conflict of interest, you know, and uh, that's as far as I'll go on that particular topic. Uh, you know, I mean, we'll just say that guy's not there anymore. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that's that's an interesting that's an interesting story, and of course, you know, I mean. Dana said a lot of things that I don't agree with. And, you know, there's things that, uh, hey, I'm glad he takes certain stances on stuff. And so he's kind of a, you love him and you hate him at the same time sort of thing. But yeah. He's the embodiment of an angry Bostonian Irishman is the best way to put it. (laughs) Well, again, like you're saying, if he can survive that type of scandal, he can survive anything. Well, we'll be seeing Dana White for. Well, it's, it, so here's here's the thing. He's never been caught up in like he's never done anything illegal per se. A lot of people have said, um, have a lot of fighters have said, oh, he's been doing you know because there's still there's still still that that um, uh, antitrust lawsuit that's going through um, the courts right now that uh, was filed and. Um, but the insinuation there is that he might have done some stuff illegal with like contract law or something like that. Now, the the thing is, it gets that's more like a gray area. There's not like a firm black and white line because contract law is co- changing all the time. Of course. So it, there's, yeah, there's 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 some. It's like he's dipped into some gray area, but he's never gotten into anything like illegal. He's never, you know. Like let's like let's point one example the uh, WWE steroids trial. He's always disavowed uh, the use of steroids. There's been no proof that he's. There's been no proof that he's he's encouraged any steroid use. There's been no proof that he's concretely covered up steroid use. There's been some possibility. Yeah, but, but but if there's been fighters that have tested positive, he's taken. Action, yes. To, to the point of releasing them from the UFC. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, just on other stuff, it's like he has, himself has not been involved in drugs. He's never been involved in any other illegal business practices. Like, especially when people were like, when uh, Anderson Silva got knocked out by Chris Weidman, people were saying, oh, he threw the fight, it's fixed. It's like, and Sports Illustrated had a panel where they're saying, oh, MMA is less regulated. It's like, do you do you people realize that MMA is regulated by the same commissions that do boxing? Yeah. <laughs> when he was invited yeah, yeah, to Sports Illustrated, they yeah. ripped they're, they're them a to talk new about, You know, the, the regulation of MMA versus boxing. I mean, and, and it doesn't is it doesn't take, you know, an expert to know the corruption that goes on, the rigging that goes on in boxing. It, you know, it's just beyond, you know. And um, people wonder why you know they they're not gonna trust you know mainstream media for a lot of this you know crap that they pull out especially you know when it comes to like sports and stuff it's like because they're rehashing the the same things and um yeah i'd trust i trust you know how the ufc runs things versus a lot of these boxing organizations yeah yeah, you you know know, they're regulated by the same bodies that regulate boxing 
Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like, you know, it's like with some things with Dana White, it's like there's been arguments that he's been straight out lying because you have to agree with some of the promotional stuff. Like, for example, that Brock Lesnar fight, This these deals, it's like some of these fight deals and some of these other deals that have happened, it's like, you know that they ha- the, these have been in, in place for months. So when Dana White just strip says it's not going to happen, or he says some other stuff with regards to some other fighter contract negotiations or whatever. Yeah, it's like when it comes to that, you know, he's it's like he might be crossing into the straight up lying um, area. Well, you but know, you know what I've always been amazed about, unless you're really, really big name draw and you know people people will use this a lot to try to justify that you know um i think especially when it came to like the ufc pay uh and stuff how you know even ufc fighters make less than you know um up and coming boxers um and things like that Uh, so you know it's really the bigger name people that are going to get the you know more of the the paydays on the on the fight cards and stuff and uh i think it's it's probably just something about the fact that it's the prestige and the name that is going to make a lot of these fighters you know wanting to get onto that level because of the the name recognition well one thing also to remember the top guys in the ufc are going to be making less than the top guys in boxing like you're not you're not yeah, going to be seeing you're not going to be seeing these like what what did Floyd Mayweather make in his last fight? Floyd Floyd Mayweather has the draw and the power to to get a, an eight figure payday on a fight. Yeah, so that that's that's Floyd that's Floyd that's Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather. But but um one thing that people have to remember is that when it comes to the UFC yeah, the top guys are probably making a few Six million. Figures. They're not make they're not making these giant like eighty million dollar paydays or whatever it is when it comes to the um you know the the Mayweather fights. But you have to remember the in the UFC has something that most fight industries do not, and that's a fighting middle class. You see these fighters, um, the probably the average fighter in the UFC probably makes about six digits a year they fight two three four times they're gonna make six digits well and 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 don't they receive other benefits from being in the usc also oh, yeah like they, they like these um um the uh the sponsorships for example yeah, right now sponsorships yeah well the, it's not how it used to be um because you know it used to be yeah, that you bring your own fight which which still works in other promotions but um they do get the um i think they get a bigger cut from ironically enough from the um the venom kits than they do from the reebok kits the reebok kits were just the reebok deal was just all over the place because you you went with a general sports um gear manufacturer who didn't understand the um yeah the sport and then all of a sudden they're going with Venom. Venom's been in the deal for since forever. They started well, as, Venom, as MMA. Venom brand. deals with. Um, I see how a lot of uh, wrestling teams, you know, high, high, you know, high school wrestling teams out, you know, 
out here we'll get like venom deals and stuff too yeah, we'll so, have venom, uh, you know gear and stuff so yeah so venom knew thing knew how it actually worked so they yeah the uh the guys from venom they got um yeah, so the guys get more of a cut from Venom. They get these uh, these uh, bonuses. And I don't know if you noticed, but there's now a general audience crypto.com bonus. <laughs> With crypto going down, I wonder how if they're going to try to get out of that deal. We'll see. We'll yep. see. Yeah, well, well, Matthew, uh, we've uh, <laughs> we gone on quite a tangent here. So let's try to get this all finished up here. Uh, really quick then. So yes, so yes, Sean O'Malley was winning the fight until he accidentally, you know, the accidental yeah. um okay. thing with with Pedro Munoz. All right, so fight of the night and Robbie Lawler. I have not seen or heard about Robbie Lawler in a while. Personally, I'm sure you've been following him. So he's been around. So a TKO, TKO over Brian Barbarena. So um, nope, that's is, Brian is Robert pretty much in charge of this fight, Matthew. Now, now uh, Jessica, from uh, that Brian Barbarina who beat Robbie Lawler. Oh, is that? Oh, sorry. Uh, yes, yeah, he win. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, it was a back and forth fight. Um, I'd like to say Robbie won the first round, but um, Brian, I don't know. It was a close fight because they were just going at it. Well, what was the cataclysm of uh, of what? ended this fight well um barbarina you know hit a hit up i I'd, I'd like to say it was a right hook mm-hmm. um i might be wrong my energy my my memory's not um remembering but um he he rocked him and then he he went in and surged and um you know they called they called it uh they called the fight all right so uh I can't remember if Robbie's on a winning or losing streak right now. Well, I so can't forget the winner. This was deemed fight of the night. So yeah, because yeah, because they they went that quickly. It was pretty intensive. I yeah, think. they'll yeah they'll a fight that ends early. They'll call it a fight of the night if the if it's if it's intense enough. Yeah, round. I've two seen with, one round fights go get called fight of the night. So it looks like this was four forty seven into the second round. Yeah, it was close to the end of the round. All right, so moving on to the third match on the main card, uh, which was the other, the third performance of the night, Sean Strickland versus Alex Pereira, with Pereira getting the TKO at 2 minutes 36 seconds into the first round. So uh, was this uh, pretty pretty intensive also, or was it one-sided, would you say? Um, this was pretty one-sided, especially considering that, um, if I recall, I think this is the one where, um, it looked like Strickland was out, but then he tried to get back up and the ref had to kind of, you know, calm him down. Okay. Okay. Because, you know, because if, because if a guy's, if a guy's flash knocked out uh, gets right. a flash knockout he's gonna get up as well yeah i've seen quite a few of those so all right well that's something so now we'll go on to the co-main event and the main event which was uh we had two championship bouts so the featherweight title bout 
Alexander Volkanovsky versus Max Holloway. And uh, this was a unanimous decision, went the full five rounds. So, uh, Matthew, what happened with this with this fight? Um, Volkanovsky did the same thing he's done in the last two fights. He went out there and he controlled it. I don't necessarily agree that it was because all three judges scored it 50 to 45, which means all five rounds went to Volkanovsky. I feel like Holloway man might have taken the first, but. Well, yeah, I mean, if it's, uh, and of course, usually in a fight that goes the distance, it's normally going to be favorable towards the incumbent. Um, I think. Well, of, of note is that this is their trilogy fight. Ah, so it was split 1-1? One, one. Nope. This is 3-0 for Volkanovsky. Hmm. So what he is, has solidified his, his, uh, his hold on uh, Holloway. So Holloway probably won't get another chance at. I've I've rarely. Seen I mean, well, let me ask this because I've shot. I've seen plenty of like rubber matches. Uh, this is a this is actually the first time I'm hearing about a trilogy match where you've only you've only had one person win all three all three matches. I've uh, well, it doesn't normally happen. Yeah, it doesn't normally happen. Now, are there any instances that you might be aware of where you've had a the same two fighters fight more than three times. Maybe outside of, of promotions, but definitely not in the UFC. It has not happened in the UFC. So, I mean, again, does this mean that Holloway is probably done being able to challenge Volkanovski? Probably. Okay. He's got three shots at him, and he's lost all yeah. three times. The The closest he probably got was the second fight. There were some times when he had Volkanovski in trouble, but he didn't have Volkanovski in trouble at all in this fight. So, so what number of defense was this for Volkanovski? Oh, uh, um, quite a few. <laughs> by, by your reaction, it's quite a few. <laughs> yeah, he's been in charge for a while. This is defense number four. Okay. Interesting. But he's only fought three guys in his whole defenses. Okay. All right. Well, he took he took the final fight from Holloway. The mm-hmm. second fight was a rematch. Then he fought Brian Ortega and and the Korean Zombie. Mm, the Korean Zombie. And then this last fight was Holloway again. All right. So let's move on to the main event, which was Israel Adesanya versus Jared Cannonier. So to me, what was to me about this fight, what was more entertaining than the fight itself? Because I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be honest, it, it was it was kind of a snoozer. But um, what was more entertaining than the fight itself was Adesanya's entrance. Because the first thing you hear is you see some purple lighting, and then you hear a Gong, gong, gong. <laughs> Do you see where I'm going with this? Yeah, I think I might be. And, but to solidify it, then they cut to Adesanya in a dark cowboy hat, black cowboy hat, holding an urn. <laughs> oh, gosh. 
But it wasn't that specific. It wasn't that specific entrance, though, was it? Well, I, I, I'm sorry. What? What was it? That specific entrance theme? Yes, it was. Oh gosh! So he was use, So he was using Undertaker. He was going full Undertaker. And not only that, he but he when he got out to where the audience actually was, th- some smoke uh, machines go off. So then the smoke is out. So what is what is his what is his nickname? Does he have a nickname? Does he use it, or is it just Izzy? I think it's just Izzy. But uh, he's maybe, an entertainer, so I can understand why he he would do something like this. It's 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 International Fight Week, and he's the main event, so why not do something like this? Well, I can't imagine the conversation you must have been having if he got to talk with the Undertaker or with WWE. For uh, you know, uh, it's funny you talk about that. Um, Vince McMahon was there. Interesting. Yes, they they at one point when they were showing people in the audience, they showed Vince McMahon, Stephanie McMahon, and Triple H. I mean, I gotta I gotta wonder, you know, maybe there is some kind of behind the scenes thing. It's like, can you imagine that there there must be? I mean, the fact that Brock Lesnar has been in and out of the UFC, into the WWE, and then back and forth, and you know, he's not the he's not the only one who's been between the UFC, and the WWE. I mean, you had some other crossovers. I think CM Punk was one who, I think, I don't know if he fought in the UFC or not, but he's he did MMA. Um, so here's how it worked. Um, when they loaned him for UFC 200, he was actually under contract with WWE. So that was a behind-the-scenes, um, that was actually a behind-the-scenes uh, work-on-it deal. I mean, I got to wonder if, you know, maybe at some point in the future that they would actually officially partner to have something like that. in the You world. know, something very interesting that I uh, read a while back, apparently a while, apparently back when, um, uh, back during the late Attitude Era, Shane McMahon, seeing where the UFC was going, wanted to buy the promotion. Now, can you this was that? this was pre-Zufa era. UFC is bleeding money. Right, right. So he 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 knew where it was going. So he was trying, but um, I think what happened was the money to that ended up going towards the uh, WCW and um, um, ECW purchases. It also didn't help that you know, and um, they did. The, the failure of the first XFL. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Vince Vince McMahon did put a lot of... It's really unfortunate how it worked, how both times where he, he put it... He invested a lot of money into both, both seasons of it. And, um, I mean, the second time that it failed wasn't really his fault. Yeah, it, it, was, it was doing decently, but then, you know... Yeah, we know what it was It was spring 2020. You know, so before the season could even finish, everything just went. Yeah. So, well, that's interesting, you know, and uh, that might be an interesting topic if it were ever to come up, you know, if the WWE and the USC were to actually partner up. I can't imagine that the WWE would put a lot of their 
people onto the other side, but definitely the UFC, you know, loaning their fighters, you know, on uh, on the WWE side. You know, something but, very interesting. There actually was a partnership between Bellator and what was at the time called TNA. It's now called Impact. Oh, and yeah, at, I remember TNA. And at the time, it was the de facto number two. Um, right. Yeah, so they had crossover with both Rampage and King Mo was around at the time. So they were, had some crossover between the two. Oh, Bobby Lashley, too. Yeah, Bobby Lashley. And uh, Bobby Lashley, uh, NCAA wrestler. NAIA. Was it NAIA? I thought he was a... Nope, nope, never. He was not an NCAA. He was a th- he's a three-time NAIA champion. Huh. Oh. Huh. All right. Um, okay, well, that concludes UFC 276. Uh, an oh, speaking one. of speaking of MMA uh, pro wrestling crossovers, uh, while we're on the subject, something interesting I, I do want to mention. Um, so WWE over the weekend, si- or was it late last week? Uh, signed two people. So the first one you're not gonna you really care about, uh, Logan Paul. He apparently has done. Stuff as a celebrity, but now they're actually signing him. Well, he's definitely going to be a gimmick wrestler. Yeah. Um, The second one is uh, now former Bellator uh, MMA fighter Valerie Laredo. Okay. Um, So her background was she was an up-and-comer in Bellator, but um, she had one of the higher... um, um, Instagram followings. So, but, and then on top of that, she's apparently the first Cuban American to be signed by the mm-hmm. WWE. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Now, I would imagine that they're probably going to be working on because because um she's a beautiful gal she's she's uh she's a bombshell there's no other way to put it so I would imagine that they're probably gonna like yeah she'll be a diva they they've dropped that term they don't call them divas anymore oh they don't they just call them women. They kind of realized that you know what it was. It was not the yeah the diva era of WWE is gone. The the um women there now can actually wrestle or make it look convincing instead of you know back in the diva era where they're essentially getting models and actresses yep. who couldn't do anything. Okay, well, let me see here. So, um, I guess then, well, that's interesting. So, um, interesting times ahead for the WWE, I guess. Um, so, let's get into... Oh, so, another thing, another thing, uh, this is going to be the last thing. So, um, since we brought up boxing earlier, um, the uh, California State Athletic Commission is going to make a proposal to um, extend their pension... Um, 
their boxers pension program to extend to MMA fighters. Hmm. Interesting. So the way that it goes is that um, uh, if a fighter fights X number of matches in the state of um, of California, then when they hit 50, they're eligible for a pension. Interesting. I wonder how it's calculated, too. Um, it, they, they mentioned the calculations. I wish I had the article, but they, 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 uh, that, that calculation is, like, is you have to be 50, you have to fight X number of rounds. Um... They 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 say X they say you have to be scheduled X number of rounds. So what that means is from the time that the bell ring the first bell rings to how many rounds you are scheduled to fight is is uh how you're eligible. Okay. All right. So uh let's get right it's into that- uh, to, yeah, just to finish that up, it has to. Um, what happens is they they will uh, submit it to a committee in uh, in the California State Legislature, and it has to go to through the legislature. I think right. that would be interesting because that would be the first actual retirement plan of any kind in MMA in the United States. All right, let's get right into the UFC Hall of Fame, Matthew, 2022 class. So um, let's read up on this. So uh, our 2022 class is going to... Let me see here. Uh, We are going to... Let me see if I can find the list. I don't, I'm not sure how this is working specifically, but... Let's uh, see. Giochi Chad say was given the Knockout Cancer Foundation Award. That's just, that's just a charitable award. Okay, so then our next one we've got is Cub Swanson. Cub Swanson and Duho Choi. So what they so what they do is they... um uh, uh, Fight wing, okay. Yeah, so the fight wing is basically when fight uh, is a fight specifically is inducted into the Hall of Fame. So by default, the fighters of that fight are inducted into UFC Hall of Fame. Okay. Which so. by default makes uh, Shogun Hua and Dan, Sep, uh, Dan Henderson members in the UFC Hall of Fame. And I can't remember if they're officially in yet as individuals. So the that earned fight of the year in 2016. So, uh, what what exactly happened in that fight that uh, earned them? I think it was a fight of the year. Fight they just the went year. in. They just went in and they banged. Okay, that's interesting. So that's then, the best way to put it. Modern wing, which what is the so? I think the modern wing is is. Current UFC and the class was it classic wing or pioneer uh, wing? The pioneer wing, and I, I have to imagine that was that's pre Zufa or early Zufa. They include some early Zufa. Yeah. Okay. So modern wing had two. Um, I think two uh, inductees. First one is um, I think this is the big one, which is DC Daniel Cormier. And, uh, I should I, think, I should note he he 
only found out I, I forget when they announced it, but they announced it earlier this year. He only found out when they were um, sh- when they showed it on the broadcast. So they said, "Hey, DC, get over here." So they, they're showing him in a corner live, as he, you know, showing him that, and he he got teary eyed. I'm very sure he did. He wasn't expecting it. <laughs> well, yeah, um, obviously, uh, light, heavyweight and light heavyweight, and he even held. Uh, both titles at the same time for a for a period. Um, so that is, you know, obviously in and of itself quite something. He NCAA was an exceptional. He was a he was an exceptional fighter. We both know that he was an exceptional wrestler, like three time Olympian. Yeah, so Olympian this is well deserved. And uh, you know, uh, and then he gives it back. Uh, head coach at Gilroy Wrestling. Um, you know, they're. They're a consistent uh, top 10 program in the CIF. Um, I even had the chance to, uh, uh, I think, ref opposite him once at the five counties. And uh, I even had to ask him to uh, kind of clear the <laughs> clear the area. And, uh, you know, his response, I didn't even I didn't even say I know him or whatever. It's like, hey, I'm just I'm just being a ref because. You know, I'm having to do my ref duties, which is clear the mat so that, you know, people are not in the way so that the audience can see the other mats. And, you know, I his response was, oh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm coaching over here and stuff. And I thought, well, I, I just need you to be, you know, out of the way for other people to see. And I think he moved not long. I think he kind of stayed there for a bit, but he moved not long after that. So, well, that just but, goes um, to show his humility. He didn't say, do you know who I am? He was just like, yeah. okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll definitely. Some, some, some guys, some guys let their fame go the the head. You, I mean, look at his contemporary John Jones. He's let it go to his head. Cormier never let the fame go to his head. He always remembered. In the end, I'm an everyday man who just had the you know a very great opportunity and a very great run. So definitely, uh, and now has a very good retirement job. Very good. And then, um, obviously, uh, probably one of the few fighters to end undefeated. Um, Matthew, uh, you'll have to pronounce his last name, but Khabib. Uh, Nurmagomedov. So he's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, one of the few fighters I, I've seen here that has a undefeated record of, you know. 29 and 0. <clears throat> and... Uh, I I think did he wrestle too? I think he did some wrestling, but that's yeah. not where he concentrated on. He did, yeah, he did some wrestling. He did some sambo, but that's not where he he. Um, I don't know if he ever made it to the world stage. So uh, obviously, he decided to retire because of the passing of his uh, of his father. But uh, you know, some big big fights that he. Uh, uh, you know, that he ended up winning and stuff. Uh, He's actually over... in the promotion game now. Yeah. Uh, especially Unfortunately, over, uh... he's been having some problems because Putin allowed him to get screwed over. Yeah, not much you can do about Cause, that. Because I... Khabib is doing business at, as a Russian promotion. So, you know, the entire Western world hates Russia right now, which made it difficult. It's making him difficult. It's making it difficult for him to do business, unfortunately. 
But what you going to do? Yeah, what you going to do? So uh, congratulations to all these uh, fighters for getting in. So uh, we'll just have to see how things are going to go from there. So our last... Um, our last MMA uh, topic of the day, uh, shout out to uh, a guy that I know very well um, who wrestled for Santa Ana College back in 2013 and 2014. Uh, he placed fourth uh, both years that he wrestled. Very humble guy. Uh, very, uh, you know, very good wrestler and uh, just an inspiration, especially for Coach Silva, you know, when he would send me, like, pictures of seeing um, this wrestler going out, running on the track by himself, even after a tournament, even after he'd do well or something, he'd go out there because, you know what, he knew he needed to train, he knew he needed to get better. I really wish I could have seen him get into the finals, you know, he lost a couple of tough matches, you know, that just didn't allow him to get to the finals and possibly wrestle to be a state champion, but he's going out and he's making some noise. So, uh, this is Richie Miranda and, uh, just Matthew. I'll, uh, just get this up here real quick. So Richie Miranda, he, uh, he was, um, Russ, uh, wrestling, uh, I think Devin Dixon was his name, but as you can see here, he was able to get, in, get, uh, Dixon into a guillotine. Uh, this was at LFA. He obviously submitted him, and uh, from what I was, uh, this was the third round, and uh, from what I was seeing uh, about this fight uh, specifically, uh, this happened in April. I remember, and, uh, I remember Richie Miranda back when he was yeah, uh, a little yeah, bit right. more uh, clean cut. Right. So um, El Machete seven one four. So make sure you all. Show him some love. Uh, go and follow him. And uh, but yeah, you know the kid was just you know phenomenal and a really great wrestler. I'm really glad to know him and uh, glad to see that he's doing doing well and stuff. This was uh, this was at the LFA event that happened in uh, April. And uh, I'm not playing the audio obviously because we don't want to get with our the dreaded um, copyright strike. But uh, one thing that um, apparently in this fight uh, Dixon was was winning the fight according to the audio and uh so richie was really needing to do something in order to win this fight and he got taken down you know right at the beginning of the third period but he was able to maneuver that into a guillotine for the win so um you know and, uh, in fact, he stopped by the wrestling room uh, a few weeks ago, you know, just to do some practice and stuff. So uh, we'll have to see if he can uh, eventually make it onto the um, onto the UFC uh, events. So uh, great job to him. Uh, well, I would say that if he's not on the Dana White Contender Series that, uh, this year, later in late summer early fall then he'll 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 get there yeah so uh we'll transition right into wrestling real quick uh not too much going on right now it's the off uh, you know off season somewhat um there are some things going on some announcements back and forth but um i think just a quick thing uh because this is kind of a bit personal for me and matthew um so uh the 
UWW Asian Championships, the U15 category. Um, there was a couple girls uh, that wrestled um, that are really more connected to people that we know from when we were younger, um, you know, when we were wrestling in like middle school, high school. So uh, first, first um, girl wrestler that I want to bring up, uh, her name was... She wrestled at the 66 kilos uh, Honda Yurina. So um, she's actually the daughter of uh, Honda Takaki, I think is how its name is pronounced. And basically, he was a uh, senpai wrestler of mine from my high school alma mater, which was Nichi Fuji. Or up, upperclassmen is, is right, upper the class best translation. Know, basically, people who came in before you. And so she took second at the... Uh, she was representing uh, the figure four club, and uh, she was wrestling at 66 kilos. Now, uh, Japan, the, the girls' U15 team won the uh, – oh, no, they came in second because uh, India really had a good showing that day um, at that tournament. But she took second, so uh, congratulations to her and congratulations to her dad uh, who's been coaching her. I've been following his, uh, you know – social media accounts and stuff. So the figure four club, which Matthew, um, they were the main sponsor of the figure four tournament, which as you know, uh, they had a partnership with, uh, the destroyer who was a pro wrestler who, uh, went to Japan a, a lot and stuff. And, um, I think, did you ever see him? I think, or was, um, probably not then. I know he came to the tournament a couple of times cause we would, I think we would go to one of the, I think we went to one of the tournaments and participated. Um, but anyway, so then there was a, another. We went to uh, the Kiguchi. Uh, it might, oh yeah, it might've been the Kiguchi tournament. Yes, that's right. The Kiguchi tournament. Which had a submission wrestling. Um, yeah. Category. So, um, and then the other girl who uh, wrestled, who, um, uh, her father, we know very well, Matthew. Uh, so this is uh, Katsume Yua, or Yua Katsume is her name. And um, she uh, she's the daughter of uh, Rikia Katsume, who coached Shonan High School while you and I were over in, in Japan. And um, he's got uh, quite a record, too, as far as he, he won the high school inner high tournament. He was also a winner of the uh, all Japan collegiate tournament. And uh, he also was a, uh, a veterans uh, world champion too. He competed uh, six or seven years ago. So, uh, but just, uh, you know, so his daughter uh, represented Nexus team Yokosuka, uh, which is. I'm guessing that's a new. Yes. It's a newer, it's a newer club in the Yokosuka area. Uh, I think Yokosuka Junior Wrestling Club is still around, um, but well, uh, you, no, Zushi Kids is. Yeah, yeah, Zushi Kids Wrestling Club too. But anyway, so uh, she because Matsuoka-san is still doing it. Uh, actually, so he retired. So oh. there's another coach that's doing it, but you know he uh, um, Hiraoka is his name, but his son is currently wrestling uh, at Isogo right now and he took third last year at the national uh spring champion i remember hiraoka-san he yes. yeah 
Yeah, so his his son Tyga is wrestling right now. And uh, I remember him. He was a little he was a little kid. Yeah, he was a little very little kid. Yes. And uh, when I went back a few years ago, I uh um you know, got to wrestle around with him. But now yeah, so he's in high school and he's dominant in his weight class as far as Kanagawa wrestling is concerned. And he took third at the Nationals. So, you know, he's he's no joke when it comes to how Well, that's what happens when you start them young and they stick with it. Yeah. So anyway, congratulations to Yua Katsume and her dad uh, for, you know, Asian champions. So it'll uh, be interesting to see how they go. Should, well. should we mention Katsume's intensity? So, yeah, well, you know, he's a very passionate guy. And uh, that's that's all I can really say about how intense he he was, um, you know, very passionate. And uh, sometimes it would even translate to some other uh, teams too, you know, go to speak. And uh, I think one of the last matches that I wrestled in high school, um, I gut-wrenched one of the Shonan wrestlers. And this guy was like a first or second year kid. But when I gut-wrenched him, he, I don't know if he got into a bad position or something, but he ended up dislocating sold his shoulder and uh, I felt really bad. And so I was apologizing to Katsume Kochi and, uh, but he said, ah, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's not, that's his, that his mentality. Yeah. Well, you know what? I think though, cause I remember when he, when he was first coaching, I think his, I, I don't think either his kids were really young or they weren't born yet. You know? Uh, cause I think his son is in, his son is wrestling for Hidu High School right now. So I'm wondering if Where's having Hidu? kids kind of what? Where's Hidu? Hidu is in Shizuoka, which actually it's it's actually Katsume Kochi's alma mater high school. Oh, okay. So his son is wrestling in Shizuoka. Is Katsume from Shizuoka? Yes. So when he was rest so when he was coaching Shonan, it was because he was stationed there. Yes. I gotta imagine his son is probably staying with family. So that's that. Um, so yeah, big shout out to the um, the Honda uh, father-daughter team and then the Katsume father-daughter team. So a big shout out to them. And uh, so Matthew, um, I know we went pretty long on the USC thing, but let's Let's get right into it, shall we? <laughs> um, college conference realignment doesn't really have much to do with wrestling or MMA or whatever, but maybe in a way it does. Um, you know, maybe we're just going to expand into college sports here and stuff, you know. So let's get right into it, shall we? Um, everyone's probably heard about it over the weekend, but USC and UCLA made the shocking announcement to the world that they are leaving the Pac-12 conference and they are packing their bags and going to the Big Ten. Uh, and it will start the athletic, well, academic year 2024. The Their contract with the Pac-12 expires on June 30th and their new contract will be set up and completed with the Big Ten starting in August 2024. Now, Matthew... Um, we know that, uh, you know, like our grandfather said, tradition be damned, basically, because 
This is this is what it's all about now. I mean, we saw that with the fact that Texas and Oklahoma were willing to leave the Big 12 in order to go to the SEC. And you kn- well, we, we know for a fact that. Yeah, well, well, let's let's fa- let's face it. The Big 12 is not that old. In fact, of the power five and all the other major conferences, it's probably the youngest if you exclude, you know, the the, the big East American split, which it technically football wise, the um well and you know that this is football all wise the American is the big East. It's just it's just under a different name. Well, and but, we know for a fact that this is all about the football. This is all about the football money, and secondly, about the basketball money. And uh, you know, and and like Dad had been mentioning, Pac-12, the 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 money that the Pac-12 gives out to their to their teams uh, is approximately about thirty-seven, thirty-six, thirty-seven million dollars a year. But if if they go to the Big Ten, then that number almost doubles because it's going to be our approximately fifty-four million dollars. So, it, you well, know, so, something. Well, something we talked about. Um, you know, uh, when when we had our family discussions, but um, something that we talked about is the the um, the Big Ten. Network is a much bigger, broader, more successful college network. It's probably the only um, profitable network. Well, and the fact, it, it, and also the fact that you know, kind of getting into wrestling a bit, Big Ten Network on YouTube is probably the only one I've I've seen besides the Big Twelve. I'll have to go back and look at some of the other networks, but they're the only ones that will put like full duels, full wrestling duels, you know, on YouTube. I think the big. Uh, I, I think the the um, EIWA will do some. Yeah. Well, they have to because they're a wrestling conference. But you know, I I think just um, I'm uh, you know, it is personally to me this is kind of a turnoff of just how these conferences have to realign instead of you know, honoring tradition the way it is. And I'm this, this is going to be as a whole crippling to the PAC 12, because what, what other names does the, does the PAC 12 have if they, you know, if if they're losing USC and UCLA, I mean, that is, that is the main yeah, because let's face it, UCLA and USC, though obviously UCLA known for basketball and women, UCLA known for basketball and USC known for football, even though they're not exactly there, they're still big names in terms of those sports. And they're big, just big names in general. Like, I think even compared to like the Ivy Leagues, the hardest school to get into in in the hardest college to get into in the United States is UCLA. That's because it's the most applied to. Yeah. So everyone wants to go there. Every it's like everyone. I you know it's like if they had wrestling, I would have wanted to go there. I wouldn't have gone in because I didn't have the academics, but I would have wanted to try to go there. And everyone wants to go there. Right, so, it's the most applied to, which makes it the most. And if you, and if you don't most... go there, you settle for USC. Yeah, because because 
I, I'm not I'm not so sure USC has a you know whether or not they have a cap is another story because USC you know they they operate on the on the money obviously but so and you know and again these these moves when when you have these big names that are the mainstays of the conferences when these when these schools are going to jump ship it's really crippling to those conferences that are having you know that that those names have supported them all these years i mean texas and oklahoma going out they were they were the big 12 right they were the big 12 now the big 12 kind of made up for that by bringing in you know some other big names you know but that's only going to bounce them out in terms of like the overall competition yeah does it balance it out the reality is those those the reality is they will lose money and they're not going to be on the same competitive level that's just that's just how it is no because yeah how are you going to you know in mark you know in marketing terms and this is where it's really unfortunate in marketing terms how are you going to compete with the sec how are you going to compete with the big 10 um, I mean, I would not be surprised if even the, um, is it the, the other one I think is the, is it the ACC or is it, um, the ACC? Yeah. Is it the of, ACC? Of the power five? Five? Yeah. That, they, it's the ACC. Yeah. Cause they're the ones that have Florida state. Right. I think. And yeah, uh, they have Florida state. I well, mean, they have Notre know, Dame and everything except for football. Right. Well, and, and can you imagine, you know, that's, that's probably what's going to happen is that probably I, I got to imagine that the ACC is probably going to poach some programs next. You know, that's a theory, but it could, it could become a reality. I mean, it just, it, it, the, the thing is, is that it's the East coast that's got all the draw power, you know, big 10, uh, big 10 SEC. ACC, uh, you know, so it's it's really hard for the Pac-12 and the Big 12 to be competitive with those other three conferences. Yeah, let's face it the only the only names, not necessarily competitive as I mentioned, but the only names in the the Pac-12 are UCLA and USC, and now they're gone. Now they're gone. So it. it you know, and I'm I'm sure that the Pac-12 will probably try to negotiate with some other teams, but it's like, who is there? Who is there that you can that you can get? You know, I mean, I can see I can see something like you know, I'm I remember that there there was you know you would hear rumors about oh maybe the Oklahomas will go to the Pac-12 or something, and obviously that's not happening because. Um, One Oklahoma is going to the SEC. Yeah. The other Oklahoma is staying put in the Big Twelve. Yeah, the, the you know this again. This is really crippling to the Pac-12 because who who are they going to get to replace those two schools? There's there's no one. There's no one that they can get to 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 draw that. I mean, well, let's also maybe, remember. Let's also remember the fact that, um, well, something that to me has just been shocking throughout all of this is that it was kept silent. We knew it was being telegraphed. We knew 
Texas and Oklahoma were going to move before they even applied. There were talks that was all over the administration. This It was all over the news. We knew it was going to happen before it even was, was officially announced, before they've submitted their applications, before they were accepted. We didn't hear about this until it was official. Yeah. We did not hear about this until the news was said they have applied and they've been accepted. So the to me it's just mind blowing that they were able to keep it silent. Yeah, this was this was quite something. So I mean, who would they get? I mean, what? UNLV? Hawaii? I mean, who? Maybe who San is? Diego State. Uh, who? Maybe San Diego State. Maybe. Again, this is, you know, yeah. Which, you know. And, the and ramifications this is- of this, it's like, this is just so crippling. The use, the the Pac-12 is not going to get, is, they're not going to make the no, money. they're not going to. They're not going to recover from that. They've, this, this blow, I think this just, in, in terms of money, they're not, it's not happening. They're 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 not going to make the, the kind of money. Yeah, they have they have no they have no negotiating power now with the networks, and and that's again that's where that's where I'm I'm really that's what this was all about. I mean, because the rights were coming up, the all all the the major contracts were coming up. This that's what this was all about. That's that's and that's, as we discussed, this is all about money. UCLA and USC are going to get twice as much as members of the Big Ten than they would um, as members of the Big Twelve of the Pac-12. That's why it's really unfortunate that it's it's come down to this. That it's all about uh, you know the money now. You know that, and and uh, so. You know, now the Big Ten will continue to have the divisions and 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 stuff. And I gotta imagine that they'll probably stay in the the Western Division. I can't imagine that they would realign. I thought that they were gonna get rid of. I thought that all the major conferences were gonna get rid of divisions because of the, of the NCAA um uh, um rule changes. Oh, I'm. I haven't paid much much attention to that, but the, yeah, the NCAA you know. got rid of the rule that would require essentially divisions in order to um, justify having a a, a, a championship game. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So there, there's probably be other- probably because probably because they don't want Alabama losing in the in the uh, conference title game. That's what they don't. They don't want that because they don't want Alabama missing out on the playoff. <laughs> or Ohio that could State. That still happen. Or Ohio State missing out on the playoffs because you know that those two schools are the big draws. And again, this is now going to get SC into the playoffs because they definitely want SC in the playoffs. I'm sure SC strategically was looking at this and like, you know what, if we're in the Big Ten, we have a much better chance of getting into the playoffs versus being in the Pac-12. So I don't know because you look at the competitive schools in the the Big Ten. I mean, they they're all pretty competitive as well. Yeah. So anyway, so let's let's dive a little bit into. Okay, so how does this affect wrestling as far as that's concerned? Now, Matthew, as you know, 
the Big Ten, I believe, is the only conference that all their current members sponsor wrestling. So UCLA and USC do not sponsor wrestling as a competitive NCAA D1 sport. They do both have club wrestling uh, available, so that means that they would compete in the NCAA. But as far as, you know, actual D1 competition is concerned, uh, they do not. So could that mean that wrestling could be returning to these two schools? Well, I think it has to because, as I recall, the reason why all the Big Ten schools have – Wrestling is because it's one of the core um, schools that's uh, it's one of the core sports that's required in their membership. That's my understanding is that mm-hmm. each course, um, each um, school for the core sports, they have to have wrestling. You look at some of the other um, and you look at a bunch of the other sports, a bunch of the other sports have, um, you know, full membership teams as well. Now, when you start to get into some of the other sports, like baseball, maybe some of the track sports, stuff like that, it's not as prevalent or mm-hmm. volleyball or whatever. But um, so I think what's going to happen is with, you know, with that amount of money, I think USC and UCLA, because they have kind of, they both have kind of a um, foundation with those club teams. Mm-hmm. So... You and I both know that the overhead of wrestling, it's not that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So buying mats isn't that, it's like, you're, it's like you're going to get $60 million a year from the Big Ten. Buying mats, not that much. Paying for scholarships, not that much. In, in, the, in, in the long, in the long, in the long-term scheme of things, the 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 cost of a wrestling program just isn't that isn't that much for as a price for a membership into the Big Ten. So they if if um you know the mem- you know if they have to start programs in order to get into the Big Ten, they'll start programs to get into the Big Ten. Because it, yeah, it, it's a drop in-, in the bucket. Yeah, I'm kind of interested about that. You know, if 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 the Big Ten is going to really follow through and you know i i'm wondering if you know if they negotiated that or not so um but i i saw an interesting name um he uh he expressed some interest and so um jordan burroughs tweeted at at usc and ucla if they uh they need a wrestling coach, so kind of following that, that kind of reinforces the whole thing that we've been talking about. It's a requirement of their membership. So, and yeah, Burroughs, Burroughs, like, Burroughs knows that he's only got so long. So, right, because he's going to he's going to try and compete for 2024, which means that he'll try and challenge Kyle Dake. And I'm very sure if he, you know, I mean, that means that he's going to have to cut down to 74 kilos, which. You know, that's going to be quite a drain, you know, to get down there. And I'm I'm certain that 2024 happens and that's it. Whether whether he wins or loses to get onto the Olympic team, you know, I'm very sure 2024 is, I mean, you know, and he could be, he could have other thoughts, you know, he could try to continue. But, you know, I got to think that if he, 
he doesn't get in there, it's, it's, um, you know, it is what it is, but, you know, I think, uh, that'd be quite something, you know, if, if, uh, he were to become coach of one of the, one of those teams, I'm very sure that they, you know, if, if, the- if he becomes coach, people are going to go there just because of the fact that he is the coach. Obviously we've seen it all over the place. It takes a while to establish a wrestling program, but he goes there. He's going to have a lot more recruiting power than any other coach. Yeah, and imagine, imagine if, if you can, you know, imagine the SoCal, well, the SoCal wrestlers, and probably even the Central, you know, Central Valley wrestlers that would want to go and be able to train with uh, Burroughs. I mean, if if uh, definitely if he were to get in there, I mean, I'd be all for that. Yeah, like one example, it's it's point out is you know John Smith took over the. Um, the Oklahoma State wrestling team shortly after he won his um, gold medals, his gold medal and and at the Barcelona games. So he just transitioned from an active wrestler to a wrestling coach. And then he won his first NCAA championship after that. So it makes perfect sense. 2024 is when the transition happens. So he goes out there, he wrestles and, 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 you know, when, whether qualifies or not, he goes out there and he does what he does. And then it's like, after that, he's got a job waiting for him. In retirement i mean that would you know i mean it would be i mean it would be a bittersweet thing you know the fact that these two schools leaving the pac-12 if that's what resurrects wrestling at these schools i mean so be it you know well resurrected at ucla i don't think usc ever had a wrestling team i think they did it just wasn't that Okay. Well, yeah, because because you know, um, in uh, our father who was a UCLA alumni, back when he went there, they had actually had an NCAA champion, and then they let right. and then the program got cut like a right. year later. Yeah. But yeah, I, but yeah, I I do. Th- well, something else. Obviously, the big worry is Title Nine. Because title, you know, the in the name of Title IX is why we have basically half the wrestling programs that we did pre-Title IX. But you know, the one big advantage we have now is women's wrestling. So, right. so we could see, you know, we could see women's wrestling being brought up at these two schools too. Maybe you know, if somehow there's a condition worked out for that, you know, you get. Yeah, so if you think about the, it's like the use essentially the same uh you know it's like most wrestling programs um, if they have men and women's wrestling at the same school they all basically use the same um equipment facilities right you know ever everything so th- there's not gonna be a problem you just you you know you you buy the wrestling mats and uh, you got a program all right well um so Chaos incoming, and uh, we'll be we'll be talking about this in future episodes for sure because we're curious. You know, is the Big Ten actually going to follow through with the requirements it's had for all its programs so far? Does that mean that wrestling will be resurrected at UCLA and USC? So, if they do enforce it, I'm pretty sure UCLA, UCLA and USC 
had to read the charters, had to read the membership. They knew what they were getting into when they were, were signing up. So I'm pretty sure, that, and like I said, they're getting twice as much money being members of the Big Ten than they are as with the Pac-12. So if that means that they have to buy, um, have to buy, you know, everything that they need to in order to start a wrestling program, they're going to do it because they're still making money in the end. All right. So um, Matthew, we'll uh, just a quick close out of um, Sumo is coming up uh, next week. It's going to start next week. So just uh, seeing how things are going. And uh, one thing that um, I have to uh, mention is that um, so you got your your Hayas, the stables, uh, and, uh, you know, they obviously do Keiko, which is training. And, uh, you know, so I think you and I had the opportunity to go watch actually a couple uh, pro sumo uh, Keiko sessions that they offered, you know, they would have in local areas. And then obviously, you know, you and I would go and we'd go to the the um, the kids wrestling clubs uh, Keiko sessions, too. But uh, one thing that they used to do pre COVID was a thing called De Geiko. And that was you go to other, you know, you belong Sumo wrestlers belong to a Heia, and then um, they, and this Degeko is they go to other stables and they challenge other, you know, wrestlers, you know, from the different stables. Uh, obviously, when COVID hit, they stopped doing that, and uh, it seemed to affect the performances of a lot of wrestlers, especially ones that did not, especially these these stables that did not have a lot of wrestlers, but they would have someone in the paid ranks. So it would affect them a lot. So uh, they finally started allowing Degeko uh, again. Uh, unfortunately, they found out that one wrestler, uh, one of the stables did have some COVID-19 um, infections. Uh, so, and that was uh, just to kind of go over uh, a bit about it was Takayasu, who was a former Ozeki, and his Heia, he got infected first, and then they found out that some other wrestlers at his Heia also uh, got infected. So it looks like that uh, his Heia is going to have to sit the Basho out. Uh, usually uh, what the Kyokai has been doing is that if there have been infections found, uh, that the Heia has to sit out. Now, normally, uh, you know, if you have to sit out a Basho because of injury or because you're just not competing for some reason, you end up losing your rank. And it's equivalent to an 0-15 or a record in the paid ranks or an 0-7 record in the unsalaried ranks. Um, but most of the time, uh, in the event of a COVID, uh, if you have to sit out the Basho because of COVID, 